pandemic, crazy weather, racial injustice, and political turmoil. Wherever we turn, bad news fills our world. But there's one place the news is good, and that's in the good news about Jesus. Many call this good news the gospel, and that's what our podcast is about today. Hi, I'm Yvonne Prim, and welcome to Bible 805. Let's talk about why the gospel is good news. Good news, that's the dictionary definition of the term gospel. The question to answer next is, of course, what is the good news? Or the good news about what? The best answer to that question is in the Bible where John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, the good news is God didn't just sit up in heaven watching humanity make a mess of their lives and their world and do nothing. He did something about it with an extraordinarily with extraordinarily important implications for people both now and in eternity. To explore this good news in more detail, let's first look at our situation and then what God did for us. Now, without God, I think it's pretty obvious that we make a mess of our lives. It doesn't take any unique insight to know that our world is in a real mess right now. But let's look away from our world for a few minutes and really just look at ourselves. Now, we might think that we look good on the outside, but inside, in our quiet moments, we're all aware of a big, empty place When we're alone, we suspect that we're missing out on a wonderful destiny or at least something better than now, something we were created for. Now, I really believe that someday all this world and all the chaos in it will cease, but we will go on living because I think that inside our heart of hearts, all of us know that we were created to live forever. And I think we also know that there is a place where all dreams can come true, where we will find forever perfect love. But somehow we also know that we can't ever get there on our own. So we try to build a heaven on this earth with money and stuff and toys, but the toys grow old and the dreams sometimes turn into nightmares. We try to make ourselves look perfect, thinking that that will create a perfect relationship. But satisfying romantic relationships, let alone perfect ones, are hard to find. We also know that at the end of this life, if we face death without God, that eternity is frightening. So what do we do? We might try to reach up to God, but just being a good person and trying to do all the right things never feels like enough. Simply doing good sometimes and feeling good because we avoid big sins always feels like it falls short. Because it does. The problem is we can't ever do enough good because the problem isn't in what we do. The problem's inside us. It's our inner core that wants our own way and not God's way. That is the core definition of sin, wanting our way. From wanting our way, we turn away from all that's intrinsically good in God. You see, every sin, from a selfish lie to save your reputation to theft or murder to get what we want, it all results from going away from God. 
No matter how hard we try to do better, the problem is we were born with this desire to go our own way. And as we grow, we get constant messages of do your own thing, be the master of your own fate, and similar platitudes that just reinforce our selfish, innate desires. The sayings all sound great, and they make for great music, and I did it my way, and all that kind of thing. But following them has gotten us as individuals in our world into all kinds of messes. We often like to limit the idea of sin to things like lies, murder, cheating on your partner. And though these actions obviously do qualify as sins, they come from the same heart in all of us that thinks we know better than our Creator what's best for us. And so we want to do what we want to do. Again, and this is this is really important, this going our own way, whether it's a blatant moral failure or not, that's what defines sin. And we can't make that go away on our own. Most of us can barely avoid chocolate for 24 hours or exercise regularly or any other resolution that we make, let alone stop sinning. And it gets even worse because God takes sin this attitude of preferring our way over God's way, and he takes it very personally. You see, God does not force his presence or his will on people. If we want to go our own way, God allows us to do that. But what many people don't realize or want to think about is that going our own way not only separates people from God in this life, But if left unchecked, it will for all eternity. Now, this is a hard part. There is one part of the gospel that is, well, actually, there's a lot of it I really don't understand. And I can't pretend to understand this. But God tells us that sin, this deciding to go our own way, isn't something he will ignore forever. When we've lived for ourselves, only doing what we want, paying no attention to him, when we die and face him, he can't just say, oh, that's all right. I know you had a hard time on earth or a dysfunctional family or whatever excuses we might want to make. Might want to make. Let's just forget it all, the years you've ignored me, how you wanted to live, and welcome to heaven anyway. You see, God isn't going to do that. It only makes sense when you think about it. If you actively ignored someone who said they loved you, did things that you knew they didn't want you to do, turned your back on them, perhaps even mocked them, would you expect them to welcome you into their home if you had nowhere else to go? Of course not. It's equally deceiving for people to think they can live however they want to live with no recognition of God as God and then expect when they die to be welcomed into heaven, which is his home. Sometimes I wish God wasn't like that, but he is. Our turning away from God, even if our lives don't include substantial moral failures, have consequences. When people say all during their earthly life, my will be done, God ultimately will say, okay, for all eternity, you don't have to have anything to do with me. The consequences then are pretty grim. On earth, a life never genuinely fulfilling, though it may be filled with lots of stuff, and then you die. Now, that last thing I said, it wasn't a joke or a punchline, but it's a reality facing us all. 
The pandemic has brought it much closer to our consciousness than is comfortable for many. But comfortable or not, death is a certainty we all face, perhaps sooner if we catch the virus, or unexpectedly in an accident or heart attack, or quietly years from now as we close our eyes surrounded by loving family. But sooner or later, it will come. The Bible describes life after death without God as a place of never-ending regret and suffering. It's not a party with the other guys who raised hell together together in life. In the real hell, you are utterly alone with regrets that can never be resolved. But it doesn't have to be like that. That's what makes the gospel good news. Here is where the really good news starts. In our situation, we can't do anything to save ourselves. Where the future looks bleak without God, the good news in the Bible says that God loves us and again didn't abandon humanity when we turned our backs on him. Immediately after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and went their way from God, he first stated their punishment and then immediately said he would one day provide a Savior to bear that punishment. It sometimes seems, from a human perspective, that God takes an awfully long time to work things out, and the good news of the gospel is one of those things. The story of that outworking is the story of the Christian Bible. The Old Testament looking forward to the day that Jesus would come, and the New Testament telling about the story of his life, death, resurrection, and the start of the Christian church. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross, where the Bible tells us that all the sin of humanity, past, present, and future, was poured out on Jesus, and God the Father accepted that sacrifice, if we accept what Jesus did for us, for our sin, we can be forgiven. I don't understand why Jesus' death is what it took for our salvation and why it is a free gift to us, But that's what the Bible tells us. C.S. Lewis talked about how the gospel does not make human sense, and that was one of the reasons he believed it was from God. He says humanity could never have come up with a system like that. The power of Jesus' death and resurrection doesn't make human, rational sense to me either, though I can't express my confusion as well as Lewis does, but I believe it's the heart of the good news of the gospel. The good news is a gift. It's rather amazing to consider all that God did in history to prepare the world for his son, all Jesus did in his life on earth, and all he suffered on the cross when he died for us. The Bible says that Jesus, who personally never sinned, was willing to take on the horror of all the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, and to endure them for us. Think for a moment about a horrible sin, something that makes you sick to even consider. Imagine what it would be like if you were forced to bear the guilt and penalty of that sin, multiplied a million times over throughout the history of humanity. How unfair you'd respond. And that's true. No one deserves to pay for the sins of someone else. But that's what Jesus did. He took our place on the cross and bore the penalty for our sin. It wasn't fair. But he did it because he loves us. Now the next move is up to us. 
After the pain and hurt our sins caused Jesus, it's even more amazing that God doesn't force anything on us. He's given humanity free will, freedom to choose or reject this good news. The choice is ours. Now, there are several options for your response. One, you can choose to just reject it all. If that's your choice, I would urge you to keep an open mind, to keep on checking out the Christian faith. Keep exploring the Christian faith. God is never insulted by an honest seeker, so keep seeking. Keep asking questions. Talk to a pastor or Christian friend you can trust. They will love sharing with you. On my website, I have a link to something I call a faith resources page for additional helpful material. And on this podcast, I think one thing that you might find really helpful is I have a series where I show you why you can trust the Christian Bible. It's currently titled Truth and History. I don't like that title. I'm thinking about redoing them, but it'll be clear on the website. And that would give you a really good background on why you can trust what the Bible says. Second, in response, you might feel that you need more information. This is a great place to be in. To become a Christian is a very solemn commitment. You need to understand what it means, what your obligations and responsibilities will be. Again, you can go to the Faith Resources page, and actually just a lot of the podcasts on Bible 805, www.bible805, will also help you really understand more what the Christian life is about. Third, Maybe you feel like you understand this message and you would like Jesus to become the forgiver and leader of your life. You can just ask him to do that. I'll explain how to do that more in more detail in a minute. But before you do that, you need to carefully consider what you're doing. Becoming a Christian is not merely a fire insurance policy to escape hell and then go on living however you want to live. When you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, you are doing business with the creator of the universe. It is not a step to be taken lightly. The Bible says that he gave his life for you, and if you want his salvation, you must give your life back to him. The Bible talks about becoming Jesus' disciple, and the definition of a disciple is someone who wants to become like their master. Becoming Jesus' disciple means you are no longer in charge. That's what it means to truly repent of your sins. Remember, sin's going your own way. And God asks you to turn around. God will be in control of your life now, not you. You need to talk to your Savior daily in prayer. You need to read the Bible every day to find out how he wants you to live. And by the way, the book of Mark is a great place to start. You need to find a good church where you can become involved with other members of the family of God and where you can grow in your faith. You'll want to get baptized as a sign that you're now a follower of Jesus. You'll make mistakes. You'll stumble and fall. But when that happens, you can ask forgiveness, get up, and go on. If you become a follower, a disciple of Jesus, your life will not suddenly become easy, wealthy, and trouble-free. The TV preachers or religious authors who promise this are not telling the truth. The Bible, which is the only source of truth, tells us that Jesus promised in this world you will have troubles. But he also said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
Life is seldom easy as a Christian, but as a Christian, you are now assured that your troubles will have a purpose and that someday they will be over and you are assured of heaven where there will be no more pain, tears, or death. Now, if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, either out loud or in your heart, you can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I've chosen to live my life apart from you, to do what I wanted to do above all else. I don't want to do that anymore. I believe that Jesus was God and that he came to earth, died on a cross, and rose from the dead to pay the penalty for my sin, my going my own way. I'm now turning around. I'm now committing my life to you and asking you to be my forgiver and leader. Help me to learn to pray, to read your Bible, to find a good church, and to follow through on my commitment to you by publicly acknowledging my decision in baptism. Thank you for loving me and coming into my life. Amen. If you made that decision, welcome to the family of God. The Bible tells us that when someone becomes a Christian, they've passed from death to life and that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Just think of that. Right now, angels are singing because of you. To help you get started in your Christian life, please tell a friend. Start reading your Bible and attending a church that will help you grow. As you do these things, you'll learn to be more like Jesus and your life itself will become a gospel, a living message of the eternal good news for everyone around you. That's all for now. Please check out the notes from this lesson at www.bible805.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to keep informed of what's coming up with the podcast and for lots more additional resources that will help you learn about the Christian life and grow in it. Again, they're on the Bible Bible 805 website. Please also consider supporting this podcast by your prayers, by telling your friends about it, and if possible, a small monthly donation. More information on this is, again, on www.bible805.com. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus. I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.